and welcome back to another episode of Fret Buzz, the podcast, a weekly podcast where we pull back the veil on all the intricacies of music. Hi, my name is Aaron Sefchik. Together with my co-host, Joe McMurray, we talk about everything under this musician's umbrella. In past episodes of Fret Buzz, the podcast, we've hit everything from trademark and mastering, building acoustic guitars and touring, music scenes, public school music, FM radio, military bands, synths and sampling, concerts and festivals, modding your guitars and amps, fingerstyle music schools, classical guitar, recording and mixing, setup and maintenance. We've hit so many things and we plan to hit so many more. I know we've got some pedal makers and some pickup makers for guitars. We've got a lot in store. If you do enjoy any of this material, head on over to any one of the social medias and hit that follow subscribe button. And in addition, if you really enjoy Fret Buzz the Podcast, head on over to Fret Buzz the Podcast Patreon page and take a gander. As always, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us. Um, and without further ado, let's jump into part two with Carter Gravit from the band Carbon Leaf on Fret Buzz, the podcast. I was actually going to ask you about that yeah. in terms of your writing style and how that all goes down. Uh, I know Barry had talked about um, in a previous episode that it, he kind of works in these batches where he'll have uh, you guys send in a bunch of stuff and maybe it may or not get used right away um, or even at all, but yeah. play with these, these ideas that you guys have kind of submitted for sometimes even years. Um, but in terms of going through that process of writing, um, how does that all go down for you? How, what is your writing process and how do you come up with ideas? And especially when you have so much material under your belt already with the previous albums, do you try to go in a different direction or how does that all work for you? Man, that's a great question. Um, I just kind of, I just kind of do, uh, whatever, wherever kind of my mind is, uh, just like whatever, you know, instrument or whatever, has kind of got my attention at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and fortunately, like, uh, you know, like you said, uh, we've got hundreds of unfinished uh, songs that Barry has to choose from. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, well, a whole lot of material. And so one, I guess the only, the f only frustrating thing would, would be to not necessarily be too precious about anything because you might not ever hear it again. Right. Um, but I just kind of will just write and I'll sit, you know, um, and I'll just play everything, you know, or whatever the song needs or in my mind, you know, I'll just sit around and, and, you know, you know, put down a drum beat and then, or typically I'll have a song structure in head in, in my head and then just start layering things around it. Um, and sometimes that'll come back to bite me, uh, because, you know, like the, this what you know maybe i'll write something on electric guitar mm -hmm. but what barry will be, will be gravitated towards is you know this banjo thing that i did that was supposed to be in the background but that'll all of a sudden come to the forefront and that'll be the thing that the melody that he catches and so a tune can evolve like that mm -hmm. um but yeah i just kind of um just kind of uh, just i get i guess i'm because we have that backlog, I'm trying not to be too forceful about things. 
Um, and because of, uh, since there is so much stuff, uh, I try not to submit things before I think, I think that they're, if, if I have the option uh, and before I think they're ready. Because if you leave, if you leave out, like if one part of it isn't really like catchy or like doesn't feel, you know, feels forced in like a pre-chorus or something like that. If there's just that one part that doesn't quite work, the whole tune could get, uh, you know, kicked out just because it's like, you know, it doesn't feel like it's all there yet. So right. you, have to sell, you have to sell it. Yeah. Well, I try to wait until at least I feel like all of the things that I can control in it mm -hmm. are, you know, you know, maybe there's maybe this, you know, little intro thing isn't quite right yet. And I'll just mess around with it sometimes for up to, you know, like a year. I'll just have this these things that I'll just kind of chip away at. And then I'll be like, oh, wait, all right, that's ready. Now I, now I see how I want that to, that to be. And then other stuff, I'll just kind of, you know, just kind of throw it together because you need to be actively, you know, sometimes you just need to force it through. You need to force yourself to write mm -hmm. because if you don't, if you don't just push yourself to, to, to do it, then, you know, you can, you can sit on your butt a little bit too much. So you are, are you writing throughout the year? Uh, Barry yep. had also mentioned that you guys do get together for like a, a, re, a like a week retreat yep. where you kind of get together and do stuff. So are you bringing things to the table or are you guys, how, what does that process look like? That, uh, so if we're all getting together, um, there'll be things that I will, I will hold as a little too precious to me and yeah. I won't, bring those in but i'll try to have uh things that i have like a few parts for or kind of the general idea for and then you kind of put those out and see you know how the others everybody reacts to it mm. you know because uh, you, once you put a, you know a drum beat to things everything can change uh you know or a, a bass line and mm. you know so i'll i'll kind of i'll kind of separate those two things so i'll always have you know, a half dozen things that I have kind of in my back pocket in case we get together for something that we can, you know, kind of mess around with. Mm -hmm. um, and then there'll also be the things that I definitely want to pursue on my own, just because, you know, like I, like I was saying, you sometimes if you force it, you, you'll compromise. Like if you have one good idea and you force it into a song, all of a sudden you're going to have three or four parts that are probably not going to be quite what you want. And you're going to have that one part in there that you really liked. And now that's kind of stuck in this, you know, this clump of music that it's kind of you're like, all right, it's okay. But right. I, really, I saved that one thing and kind of flushed it out on my own to see where it would have gone. Yeah. Uh, otherwise. And then I mean, it's fun to do both. Cause I, I, typically, I wouldn't write, really with electric guitar um, by myself just because it's I don't it's just never been it's never music's never works that way for me mm. electric guitar by itself is a little a little too strident or something I don't know <laughs> you know like uh, rocking out in my garage by myself with no drums and like ah, all right. All right. every now and then I'll come up but like stuff like that would be stuff that I would probably uh, save for to flush out with like all the guys and how with the other guys throughout the year, how closely do you work with any of the other guys on ideas? 
It really depends. Every year is different. Like the, the like landscape of what we have to do um, recording wise, touring wise, uh, rehearsals for tour. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, it's never, uh, it's never the same. Right. Now, the little pockets of different things will, will pop up when they do. But um, like as much as like Terry and I sitting down with guitars and trying to write something, doesn't happen nearly as much as it as it used to because you know i've got two kids he's got three when we're home it's like mayhem you know <laughs> i know it i know <laughs> all about that <laughs> got two games this afternoon uh, we had two yesterday um you know i've got yard work i need to do i'm um, gate ramp in my backyard uh you know it's just everybody's <laughs> got you know and his kids Man, they, I swear they're they're so awesome, and they're doing like five sports at any given time. When we're doing like one, we're just like, oh my gosh, you guys are crushing it. We feel, you know, we play like two soccer games. Our whole family is like kaput. Yeah. Like they they were still going. They had like probably three soccer games. I think they were at the ice rink last night for uh, a skating competition. And God, <laughs> but wow. uh, so but we'll carve out times when we can we can do stuff uh, together, but you have to be a little bit more strategic than when you're a kid and you can kind of like, Hey man, let's hang out, uh, drink beer and, and write tunes. Yeah. Which is, which is fun too. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah. when you're young, you really never know how precious the, your time, oh, man, your time is. <laughs> you can't tell somebody that's young that it's precious either. Cause they won't, they won't really get it. No. No until me. Oh, what is it? Don't know what you got till it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so true so uh, true man, it's so funny and it is it is so true yeah um but yeah so we try to manage uh the time we have is as well as we can and uh you know we'll get together you know we'll try to get together when we can you know throughout the year uh as a group to do a little bit of writing but with jesse in boston you know we've got to fly him down uh for that sort of stuff he's your, he's your drummer right yeah and uh that's also really fun you know when we get to get together like that and just kind of you know we did i think man i think we got it maybe it was last october that we got together for a week and did did some writing and we might have done it earlier this year i can't remember um but yeah it's always fun and some of that stuff if you don't go in with any any real tunes or you know i'll wake up in the morning have a cup of coffee and come up with a couple of different things before i go in and then we'll just kind of see what happens. And you can you can end up with some some really neat stuff like that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, stuff that you've never come up with on your own. And that's always kind of kind of fun too. Yeah, just kind of let it happen organically. Pretty much, you know. And sometimes it can be an enormous noodle fest that lasts all day, and you're just like, man, we did not get <laughs> out of that. But we did have a good time, you yeah. know. But any time like that when you can play together uh, as a group. Uh, is is also good you know because obviously you uh play jazz and stuff like that so you know improving is something you you need to practice you know especially when you're trying to improvise as a group uh you know a lot of the open solo sections live are, are pretty much improvised so you know just practicing listening to everybody and kind of everybody reading where things are going and stuff like that. Well, that's just part of it. I think that that it's important, even if you don't get the chance to play with your fellow 
um, band members all that often. I think that even taking a, you know, a, an amount of time and just allowing for that noodle fest or mm -hmm. just to kind of feel off of each other and kind of get back into that groove as the, as the band and how to read each other. I think that's, that's kind of important. It's incredibly important. You know, that's, that's the, the part that makes live shows like the most fun is mm. having that chemistry where, you know, really cool stuff and really cool subtle stuff is happening, you know, whether people notice it or not, you know, like there's, you know, for the people that are listening for that stuff, there's stuff, you know, there's stuff to listen to. And for people that are, you know, backed up and listening to the big picture, there's, you know, there's good stuff to mm. listen to. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's really important yeah. uh, to keep up that, you know, the cohesion and the chemistry from, you know, playing and listening and knowing, you know, whichever way you turn, you know, everybody's, everybody's going to catch you. Yeah. That's really important for me. Uh, just to, to, you know, like you, like we were talking about jumping from instrument to instrument and then, okay, you know, banjo, fiddle, mandolin, you know, lap steel, blah, 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 blah. All right. Now guitar solo. And you're just like, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh God. <laughs> uh, all right. Whew. Let me take it. Let me catch my breath. And, uh, let me be creative here. All right. Uh, you know, so it's, that's, you know, that's where it gets, that's some of the, the tricky stuff too is, you know, all the jumping around and then all of a sudden, all right, get serious. Now do something cool. Yeah. And everybody's looking at you like, well, I do. <laughs> it seems like a big part of this, you know, when you're improvising live, a big part of it is energy flow as a unit, as a band. And, you know, most, you know, if you think of great guitar solos, they start out more melodic, which seems like that benefits you, you know, switching an instrument, you have a little moment to get comfortable before you have to rip any sort of Eric Johnson licks that, you yeah, know, speedy okay. things. You want to start out melodic and build. Yeah, but you got to, in order to start off like that, mel uh, melodic has to be in the pocket. And so you have to be relaxed because you can't be relaxed and melodic if you're feeling frantic and you're, you know, you're just like, man, I was, woo, you know, you gotta, so it's almost, it's almost easier just to tear into something. That's, that's uh, like, honestly, for me, that would be the hardest, the harder thing to do is to take that deep breath, kick back and be melodic and musical, as opposed to just continue to feed off of that manic energy and just rip into something. You know, it's easier to play fast than it is to play slow. Uh, Cause man, there's so much space, mm. you know, if you fill it up, you know, no problem. It's, it's full. If you have to leave it open, you have to be strategic. You have to be, have somewhere to go. It's got to make sense. It's got to feel good. You know, that's, that's the hardest part is to, you know, take a deep breath, you know, get everything under control. Now breathe now play something musical i i okay so i have a question in terms of when you are in this moment of playing something musical and because of your background and you are a self-taught player and you've kind of come from studying all of these players by ear and i guess my question is is that when you're playing and you're coming up with ideas, are you 
<laughs> and I, I don't mean this in any bad way. No, no, no. Uh, I just, I, I'm kind of thinking about for any of the, our listeners out there, because there are so many instructional videos out there and you can learn from this guy and you can learn from this guy and take lessons from this guy. And I, I'm trying to think about because your style is very unique and it's very, um, it's very you. I don't know how to explain it any more than that so when you are up on stage and you're playing um are you taking into account any of the other things that people are doing like thinking about any one of the other players or is it just purely like you the whole way and i and with that um i guess part b of the question would be are your solos are they pre-composed or are most of the stuff that you do on stage improv it is uh it is pretty much all improv okay uh, there will be cues that i'll play and a few solos to say to let everybody know hey you know we're transitioning to this part now um uh for instance uh one of the big open ones would be let your troubles roll by and uh there's a uh like a we'll get to a point where I will play something that will take us into the bridge section, which we all have to hit together, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, it also sets up uh, like a, a ramp for us to build up into that change. Mm -hmm. But that's not saying that that will be particularly the crescendo of the solo. Um, it'll just be how we transition out of it. Yeah. But everything up until I hit that would be improv. And that could be, um, you ask me where is like, the way that uh, our bass player, John, and, uh, and Jesse, our drummer, the way that they started, that could trigger something different, you know, or I could take it in a different direction. Um, you know, it always kind of starts with where they set it uh, rhythmically. And, you know, sometimes it'll just, it's in the past, it's just dropped out and it's just been me. Um, so you're purely thinking within the moment and you're not necessarily thinking about Anybody else in terms of influences or anything that you're just in the moment and taking inspiration from the players within the band and what's going on within the moment. And you're just, it's, it's in the moment your, your fingers are doing all the talking. It's man. That's gosh, that's such a great question. And it's so hard to say um, <laughs> because I'd need to be in there with the little gnomes and stuff that uh, are running around. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I would say that anything that comes up that's coming from an influence would be somehow derivative of how the guys have started um the uh you know my hands are super clunky right now um but like you know every now and then they'll drop it into like this a little bit more of a funk thing mm -hmm. i would can you can you hear that is that like super loud oh it's, um, it's okay uh, but, you know, they could drop it into something that sounds super funky and it might make me want to do like, you know, just something kind of, you know, funky that would make people nod their head, you know, that, yeah. that was something that would totally spontaneously happen because, and I have no idea what, what I was just, I mean, I haven't had enough coffee and I haven't played yet today. Um, but, you know, it might inspire something like that, or it could end up being like a really, you know, start off. A little more gentle with like a 
start off with something just kind of <laughs> it was beautiful you know um, a lot of like you're sliding around a lot of like double stop thirds and stuff it sounds really nice see that's where music gets me i have no idea uh i just know see, that's that's what i'm talking about you're not thinking about any of that you're just you're just playing no, no i'm just listening i'm i'm making the sounds that i want to hear in my head like i know what those things sound like and I couldn't tell you what they were, but I know that I think there's a monk tune that's like, no. I think that I think that might be where I heard that that interval before. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those chromatic thirds that you're sliding down and up. But yeah. Hey, hey. I'm doing an interview. Would you like to come say hi? Yeah, she should come. Yeah. Um, this is my daughter, Sophie. Hello. And she hi, Sophie. Sophie. Um, can I come see you in a little bit? Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> does Sophie does Sophie play anything? Uh she just took it, she was taking guitar lesson yesterday. She oh nice. Awesome. Very good. I have soccer and I have a soccer game today. Oh yeah, I see your shirt. That's awesome. We'll stick. Good luck today. Yeah. I'll see you in a minute now. Love you. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it just is. So that would be like the best way that I could, you know, it just how it starts. And sometimes how it starts, if it does, if it starts and you trip, that's the worst. It's like recovering from like a, a bad start for me sometimes can be the roughest thing. I just have to stop for a second. And then you know back in but um yeah you know just any of those different and that's just the one the one that one tune but you know just however it starts will kind of dictate how it might it might unfold but that's all kind of improvised that's cool but you you're thinking like the other day it's it seemed like you you knew that you were playing like mixolydian or you do. I mean, you understand all that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and I probably understand more than I'll ever let on just uh, because I'm a little reluctant because I don't quite, you know, I've never really, really gotten a hold of it. I've, I've played a little jazz, um, but it's like, you know, you know, I got no business doing it, uh, but it's still kind of fun. But it's one of those things I was, we were talking about. It's like, if you don't use it, you lose it. Like, and playing over like complex chords uh, and over changes is, you know, and having something interesting to say as opposed to like holding on like the cat, you know, going down the side of the building, like three, yeah. you know, um, that's, you know, that's, that's a whole nother, a whole nother thing. Um, yeah. There's a yeah, point. I've got a, a, a some, something of a handle on, on some of that stuff. Um, but I couldn't tell you exactly what, <laughs> that, that makes any sense. Right. 
like definitely of music theory when you're playing over jazz changes i i find like for a long period at least for me i was having to play it is like you you can visualize the block with a few measures that's you know two five one or a you know you're in one key for a little period of time and you can kind of play a lick in that key and then you kind of like you start over on the next when you change keys you like play a new lick over that yeah. What gets really fun is when you start to be able to play a lick that crosses through that key change. Yeah, that's the and that's that's when you start playing music as opposed to playing shapes. Yeah, know? yeah. You can definitely yeah. when people have come out of jazz school and they're, you know, if you've got that library of two five one licks that you're kind of stringing stringing together through tunes, but you know uh, what notes changing in the next chord and you can play continue playing the lick you were playing. The interesting notes that are in that chord. And you know, hearing somebody like you know Stern play, and you can hear yeah. him heading for a chord that's like nine bars away. Yeah, you know, but you you know where it's going, and you're just like, oh my, you know. He I, does that over vamps. He'll like, you'll hear him infer the chords and the cadences, even if it's just like a two five, you know, an A minor seven to a D seven over and over. He'll he'll play like a like in a lick that has that harmonic harmonic minor, minor cadence to get you to the a minor he does things that it's just like amazing over a two five yeah and i love uh well man i can't i mean the amount of practicing that guy has done over the years would like, kill most people um but um i love his uh his writing too like he consistently writes i think some of the best heads um like every everything he puts out will have like at least one two i'm like ooh. I love that. I love the head to that one. There's that uh, big neighborhood record he did, that tune he did with uh, Modesky Martin Wood. Uh, I think it's called Check One. That's just such a great, that's a great head. Uh, Give and Take had some, had some great ones on it. Um, one Liners and uh, gosh, um, that's like the second track I think was really great. But anyway, the first Stern record somebody gave me was Standards and I was just like, Oh dear Lord! Great you know, <laughs> Acer is just like Mach five. Just like okay, uh, Danny Gatton's got a great uh, uh, version of Well You Needin' on a, a record with a, a B three player that's just murderously quick. Uh, that's a Monk tune, right? Yes. Yeah. I have to listen to that one. But yeah, oh, it's so good, so good. But uh, I got. I got to see uh, Mike Stern in New York City over Christmas. Time. Oh, how was it? At the 55? It was at the Iridium. Oh, really? Kind of oh. midtown area. And he just like, it was wonderful. And then I got to talk to him afterwards and it was just like, I was so happy. Oh, he is like the sweetest dude too. Man. He is incredibly nice. Just so monstrous. Do you know uh, Adam Rogers? No. Uh, you got to check him out. He is spectacular. He's, uh, I think, plays the Chris Potter a lot. Um, okay. Uh, he's got some his his own solo stuff, and he put out a thing that's got uh, uh, Nate playing drums. Um, I think it's called Dice or something like that. But he's a, he's a great he's a great guitar player, and he's one of the guys. Uh, the I don't know. I feel like sometimes he can like jazz guys playing anything else. You it's a jazz guy playing something else. And like with him, oh, uh, I know what it is. Uh, Fork, the first Fork record, F O R Q. Oh, there's a tune called Grap, 
that uh, starts it off, and uh, he's on that record. Um, but he, yeah, he's a, he's a great guitar player. Yeah, I'll check that out. Adam Rogers. Adam Rogers. It's always, it's always such a wonderful thing when you like find out about a new guitarist or musician in general that you're you've never heard of, and you listen, you're like. Like, how did I make it the last 31 years or whatever? Like, and just hearing this? It's so, it's, I feel like uh, it's so much better, easier now uh, than when, when I was coming up and kind of being in this little, you know, I've been in this band since I was 18. So, uh, I mean, and I was coming from, you know, a little, uh, a teeny little town, like an hour and a half from Richmond. Um, so finding all of this stuff was pretty hard like Barry and Terry hit me to a ton of stuff I never heard like uh the first Sun Bowl record the Uncle Tupelo stuff mm -hmm. the Pogues mm -hmm. uh which got me you know from there I went to like the Bossy Band and uh Planksty and all sorts of cool stuff um but yeah it's all man it's all who you know people hipping you to stuff that's how you find like the coolest stuff like that accident with Barry and the and the Bale Fleck record, you know, that was life changing. And, you know, that was the right record at the right time. Yeah. But yeah, the finding those, those, those people, you know, when you find somebody like that, that you're just like, Oh my, you know, that's creatively like the best ever when you just can dive in and you've got like this wealth of stuff that they've put out that you didn't even know was there. And all of a sudden you have like 10 records to listen to and you're just completely overwhelmed with, you know, ideas and questions and, you know, that stuff is, yeah, that's so great. That was a big, when I first got into Eric Johnson, that was how I felt. I just yeah. like it, my entire style of playing changed and I like was working on it so much that now my natural tendencies are Eric Johnson-y. Oh, really? Like, it used to be more like this kind of Steve Ray Vaughn thing, which shifted to this kind of I was studying Paul Gilbert a lot and like it keeps changing based on who I get obsessed with. But right now, like when I do things, I just like spit out pentatonic fives and like, but I mix them with jazz. I try to mix them with jazzy things. And that's the funny thing. So many people have dissected that now. Um, and I never, I never did, but you've got but, the sound, which is part I of why I like bringing him up. I never thought about the five thing, uh, until, uh, somebody told me to check out, uh, this guy, Troy Grady. Yeah, yeah. Who is? I got it. He is died. He has gone so far down the rabbit hole, man. I think he's probably come out the other side. Um, <laughs> I've, never, I've never had the patience or like it even thought to dissect things like that. But it's it was certainly like the little st stuff that I watched. It was just fascinating, and you know he's so enthusiastic about the whole thing, and it's really kind of infectious. You're like, wow, huh? But I'd never thought of the, that sort of thing and seen how he had he divided things up. And I still don't particularly pay attention, um, but I can hear it now in people's playing when people are uh, like dropping in like a run like that. I'm like, oh, they're running that five thing. Because uh, now that I heard him play it, now I hear it in a different way than, than I heard it more as a cohesive like passages uh previously as opposed to like breaking it down into into chunks and i don't uh i don't alternate pick i mean i don't uh economy 
do economy picking, which is, I think, what a lot of that stuff, uh, you have to do that, that in sweeping. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't either, uh, unless it's an accident. Um, so the way that I incorporate that stuff is still, I would guess, if it's sounding that way, I'm still playing uh, straight alternate picking or I've somehow subconsciously uh, thrown in a pull-off or I'm doing something different with my left hand as opposed to changing my right hand because I'm probably too old to learn to <laughs> learn economy picking. I did a master class with Jimmy Bruno once and uh, that was the thing. It was like, well, you know, that's all fair and good, but you know, you need to, you know, and I was like, ah, I don't think I'm going to anytime. <laughs> oh man. Like that, huh? Um, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, did you have, so that's so interesting. So uh, Barry was, Barry came up to me and he was like, when did you, when did you, when were you influenced by Eric Johnson? And, you know, for, if you knew Barry and I, you would know that I would go. Come again? <laughs> uh, not a normal question he'd ask. Yeah, him. it's just so random and out of the blue. I was like, what, huh? Uh, I don't know. Um, but I guess you had asked him or mentioned that to him. And so, yeah, do you have any questions about that stuff? Or Yeah, well. I'm a I, little fuzzy on how I would have done that. But, yeah. What to, do you clear, guys to clear up the backstory there, when I saw you guys, for our listeners, when I saw you guys at um, in Virginia Beach, you were playing a guitar solo, and I was like, I heard Eric Johnson in your playing. I think it was, you know, it was the spread, that root fifth, and then the high third up an octave, so it's a tenth. I heard those things. I heard you do that. Yeah, I heard that stuff. And even in your some of your lead lines, I really you're doing like I mean it's it's what you hear Eric Johnson doing, that sound. And so I was I was really excited because I love that sound doesn't matter who's doing it it's just beautiful and i asked barry about it and he he must have reached out to you um but yeah so those spread thirds you were showing me the other day do you want to um show people that uh uh so the rhythm stuff um yeah we were talking about that and it was a great way if terry was playing you know just strumming a chord and you don't want to strum you're developing uh it's like all right well what do i do if he's doing that uh, there's a song called Texas Stars uh, that's on uh, Love, Lost, Hope, Repeat. And when we were in the studio, it was this really atmospheric tune. Um, when I wrote the demo, uh, when we got in the studio, the producer who produced like Rush and stuff like that was like, I like it, you know, I wanted it to rock a little more, believe it or not. Um, and so I came up, I had to come up with something on the spot to play over it. So I came up with kind of this. which is probably pretty Eric Johnson. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to take a melody that was, you know, super, super duper mellow. It was like, a, let's see how they feel. Mm -hmm. 
that and then converted that into the you know that other thing but that's probably uh eric johnson as i've gotten on the record um but yeah those kind of just kind of if terry strumming a c chord you know throwing in some creating so much texture underneath a simple c chord but it yeah it moves things around a little bit and it kind of creates a neater uh well neater more neaterist uh <laughs> kind of uh kind of platform and especially without you know keys or anything else kind of harmonically going uh on behind it it's kind of you know trying to find a, a different a different way to kind of fill the space and have it be pretty and musical and you were just jumping around from different inversions of a C chord there, right? That's all, that is all just C chord. Just a regular, regular C chord. That's a C with a third up top. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was partially me just kind of figuring out the fingerboard um, on my own as well. Uh, just moving things around and figuring out where everything would stack up and kind of work out. Yeah. Yeah, that love it. <laughs> What'd you say? Did, did that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just shows the power of learning your inversions. beautiful playing um but yeah i don't i don't know that i uh i don't do a lot of pentatonic stuff we were talking about that and um i think um and some of that might be reactionary because when i was just learning everybody was listening to stevie ray Vaughan and kind of doing that thing and uh you know doing it better than i you know like gib droll uh was coming out of virginia beach uh where it had been god i used to see him uh when I was in high school, uh, years before I had a guitar and just like, oh. Um, but, you know, everybody was doing that and I was kind of like, well, what's over here? And I was also uh, a big Peter Buck fan. So for me, like, as far as I knew, like lead guitar ended with uh, like the intro to Driver 8 or, you know, something like that. You know, God, what's that? Uh, feeling gravity's pull. Um, you know, Peter Buck was like the the guy for me. So it took me a while to get from, you know, 
thinking that that's, you know, that's like the pinnacle of lead guitar playing to going, oh, actually there's quite, quite a bit out here, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, getting the doors blown off uh, when you see what else is out there. But, but yeah, so not a, not a ton of pentatonic stuff. Probably a lot of uh, Mixolydian stuff, I would imagine, because uh, when it works, uh, I'll, I'd use that flat seven. Um, but I guess a little bit of, a little bit of everything, um, uh, almost literally, because of like I like we were talking about, you know, some of the chromatic stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, again, uh, not being warmed up, I'll just make a fool of myself. Um, but um, like a. Uh, so sloppy, but you know, just kind of whatever is kind of just the, in the kitchen sink, so I guess. Um, but no, not a ton of like straight, uh, straight pentatonic stuff. Yeah, you can see the Mixolydian, like you've got that major pentatonic box with the flat seven, but you're also doing those, you're walking those thirds down chromatically. Yeah, um, let's see. Got a great sound okay. to it. There it is. You'd, you'd probably have a better idea of what it is uh, than me. And uh, what I, it sounds good. Another cup of coffee. <laughs> um, but, like I said the other day, I, you've got a, a flow to your playing that I I like. Okay. Like, but I said this the other day too. But I like I when I'm playing, I, I know I can I can pull off some like fast licks to get me from one place to another, and then I tend to like try to milk a spot and like be melodic in a kind of an area wherever I happen to land a lot of times yeah but you tend to like you can play a, a lot like you can s stay busy and kind of keep going like it flows well oh I hope it sounds good <laughs> yeah. yeah sounds great <laughs> yeah yeah uh I think all your fans would agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where where that really would have come from um, probably because you sat around learning by yourself for probably, so long. Yeah, sat around watching like old horror movies and just noodling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I was telling you, uh, the guy that introduced me to uh, Callahan, uh, he, uh, we were playing in Nashville one time and he did this uh, one chromatic thing that just kind of linked two different spots where he was on the fingerboard. And that was kind of, uh, what uh thing for me and it opened up uh that that probably um a combination of that and uh this guitar player named david greer uh who is an acoustic player who i just man he's just fantastic he's like a more bluegrasser he is right? you gotta listen to him play because all the stuff that he gets going on it's like like joe pass or something i mean you're just like there's so much coming at you that it's just 
just kind of mind blowing. Um, and he can take the simplest melody and turn it into the most incredibly complex and cool thing. It's just remarkable. But um, uh, learning, I think, I th I'm pretty sure it was from him, but uh, linking uh, different parts of the fingerboard with open strings. Uh, <laughs> Are you playing the melody on the lower strings and hybrid picking the open B and E strings? Fingers, but I'm also using a lot of open strings. So that creates, uh, so you go from. Oh. So that adds like some, uh, some real space between the intervals that you're using. And it, it's a. Just kind of thrown in. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I don't really have like a specific example. I'm trying to figure out what I would be doing that I would use it. Um, I use it a ton on acoustic guitar, but um, I also started using it on electric uh, for some of that. You know. kind of works to kind of kind of move yourself around you can do it up. um but yeah just uh you know find find a different ways to get uh, kind of move yourself, move, move yourself around a little bit, and throwing in those open strings, it kind of changes things up. I'm too lazy to go over and turn off uh, the game that's on there. It sounds, it makes a lot more sense if the guitar's a little bit cleaner. Um, but yeah, uh, that and the you know the chromatic stuff or interval stuff like uh, like a. that's cool for anybody who's listening it's it's worth checking out the youtube video to see what his hands are doing uh, i have no idea but <laughs> but yeah uh little stuff like that like little things that you'll pick up um that you can kind of find ways to incorporate to make things like just work a little bit better and that's i guess some of that stuff helped to kind of all right if i'm if i'm here what a, what kind of you know, say you're you're in G, and you're you know playing it almost out of the soloing kind of that D position. 
if you, I guess, what do they call it? The caged system mm -hmm. did that, but I can, I see it now when, uh, people are asking me, how are you, how are you, what are you thinking there? I guess I was like, well, I guess you could look at it kind of like a decord. Um, but yeah, once you add in, if you're there, once you add in the, Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff in there, you know, that you can use, but it's certainly got uh, it's harmonically really compact in a very, very small area. So you need to get out of there and spread something out right after or before it just because otherwise, it's, you know, it's like the Tasmanian devil running a circle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Yeah, can we? I, there was a question I wanted to ask you earlier that I never got to, but going back to the songwriting idea or the songwriting, it's mm -hmm. a big, big topic, but I've in my period as a full-time musician, I, there are songs that I wrote early on that were like my most, they were kind of like what I wanted to naturally play. Mm -hmm. And I got those songs out. And now when I'm writing, I try not to, it's like, I don't want to do that again, even though I know I could write another song that's similar, that would probably be better than the, the first one I wrote like that. But I just feel like it's too, too much of the same idea. So I always, whenever I sit down to write something, I'm trying to write something different, which makes it extremely difficult because I'm always trying to look for some, you know, I want to put out something that sounds new. With you guys writing so many songs over so many years, I mean, are you trying to create something new or are you trying to just create the best melody, even if it's got kind of a similar vibe to something? Absolutely. Other things. Absolutely that. Um, like if you, I mean, if you do a better version of something that you've already done, then you have a better version of something you've already done. So you can kind of disregard the original. I mean, if you, the, if you start doing that, you box yourself in so quickly, uh, with a lack of options that it's just, uh, I would think it would be creatively stifling. You know, I've plagiarized myself more than, you know, anyone. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that would be detrimental to the creative process. Uh, just, it's like starting to have an idea and like whacking it down, you know, before you've seen it through and you don't know how it's going to turn out in the end. And maybe it's, you know, you end up with a song structure and, uh, you know, lyrics or anything that are very divergent. And all you have to do is go back and change the guitar part, or maybe you can change one chord or whatever, but no, you shouldn't. I, I would never, never recommend uh, self-editing in that kind of way. It's always good to be, I like, I'm hypercritical uh, of myself and I'm my own worst critic. Um, but at the same time, you've got to balance that with creativity and what you might find pursuing, you know, never, never sideline an idea because you've, you've used these changes before. I mean, good Lord, 
how many songs, there are only 12 notes. I mean, and how many songs have been written with a one, four and a five chord, you know, millions. It's, you know, it's all probably going to sound like something at this point, but yeah. man, always, always see it through and, you know, follow, follow every little, every little chunk that you get, you know, it's going to lead you somewhere cool. And if it doesn't, you can bookmark it for later and come back to it. But yeah, I don't think that's, that's terribly healthy. Um, it's good to be aware of uh, and always, you know, be aware of what you've done and, you know, okay, well, that's kind of like this. So that's kind of like this, but don't, don't ever, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it would be a good idea to, to just stonewall yourself because you're going to build yourself a really small box pretty soon. Oh, that's the way, that's the way it would seem to me. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. I, but do you ever, when you're sitting down to write a song, do you ever decide like you want to get, get away from, mixolydian kind of sounds or whatever like do you ever try to use something that sounds span you know like you use phrygian and you get that spanish sound or like try to get like that egyptian sound or i don't know just different you know you listen to guys like joe satriani and he's like creating melodies with that sharp four to get that lydian sound and it it's a lot of times I, I gravitate towards that because i feel like there's something that i can find a melody there I just you, have, I've yet to create purely, a song. Uh, purely instrumental music or music that's going into a more of a singer-songwriter kind of thing? Could oh, be we, both. But I have this dream of writing like a really good vocal melody in Lydian. And I just haven't haven't found it yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think I've probably gone out too far on the sour notes. Um, I, I think the things that I do that are probably a little quirkier is I tend to, uh, write melodies across the bar, um, which is, uh, a bit frustrating for, uh, the guys in the band sometimes. Um, but that would be, I think probably the more, uh, like eclectic, uh, way that I would take things as far as instead of using like a, you know, really tense notes. I'll tend to write uh, a melody that'll like run across. Like if you're listening to the melody, it's in time. But if you try to play drums with it, or you start to try to play the song, you're like, wait a minute, what's what's going on? Um, but um, yeah, uh, I don't I don't think so. And it might only be because um, I don't tend to write with. Uh, overly heavy chord voicings um, because I think that uh, directs Barry a little too hard melodically. Um, so I try not to do too much leading like that. And he's gotten to the point uh, now that I think a lot of the times he prefers uh, having like no melodic guitar stuff or, you know, depending, you know, if it's like an old time fiddle tune, obviously there's going to be fiddle and stuff like that on it, like the gathering stuff. Um, but likes to have like a more of a clean palette to work from as opposed to having like like a lot of creative guitar stuff going on behind it which very much influences which way his he thinks the uh his melody can go yeah. then you can go in and put it in after yeah, he's I'll, written the melody i'll put in stuff after um that's the that's a lot trickier than uh like writing stuff uh 
uh, where I can just kind of, you know, put in all the cool little ideas that, that I think I want in there. Or just, it's more just writing for fun for me. But uh, I, I don't think so. Um, and I'm trying to think if I've even ever really put much of a, like a flat seven or anything. I think, I think most things that I would do uh, melodically are pretty, pretty simple. Like even with uh, like a tune that we had this song called Alcatraz, the intro is like, but the melody part is, you know, putting in stuff like that. But that's all still within the, uh, you know, the basic. Yep. harmonic structure of all the chords that it would be sitting over. Um, but you're yeah. really jumping like that octave. Yeah, uh, that's a, adds such a cool. Even though you're using the, to, uh, I guess what do you, what do you guys call uh, the second a ninth? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, let's see. So I, I use elevens. So uh, doing the country bends is a little trickier. Uh, so it's so yeah, that's nice. Uh, but you got to do that like a thousand times in the song and have it done. <laughs> you know, have like three beers and you're like, oh, please, 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 please. <laughs> uh, and it sounds better when you really zing it too. So you're like, you go, you go one too far and you're like, ooh. <laughs> do you guys drink much while you play? Not really. Uh, we're pretty lame. Well, it's, I mean, there's a, you know, sometimes it helps you gel with the crowd, uh, at least me, but yeah. then it quickly turns into sloppiness. Well, yeah, it's like, like writing that line. You're like, I'm, I probably drink the most out of anybody in the band. And, you know, I might have a couple of like light beers before the show. Um, but, you know, enough to give me enough, you know, courage to get on stage and go, okay, I can do, <laughs> I can play all these things and, and get it done. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, not, uh, you know, every now and then things will get a little carried away. Terry, Terry prefers it when I, when I drink heavily because that's like taking me the restrictor plate off the red dragon. <laughs> I get, uh, twice, twice the notes in half the time. Uh, and, uh, stuff can get a little bit more, uh, yeah, you go for things that you wouldn't have maybe gone for. So, uh, yeah, well, you, you know, it, have a few drinks and you kind of stop you know, judging everything that you do while you're doing, you know, that's a lot to do is come up with stuff and play it and judge it all at the same time and kick yourself. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a mighty job, but yeah. Um, so not, not, uh, accessible. I, you know, I wish I had a better story. It's okay. This is, this has been wonderful. I've had a blast. I think you've been incredibly yeah. fun to have on the show. You've got a great sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, the first thing this i've ever done yeah well thank you sir it's been yeah it's been fun yeah thank you so much for your time yeah man well you guys have a great day and uh i'll be in touch all right yeah. awesome thanks carter later guys yeah thank you <laughs>